0: Hello, and welcome to Red Couch Conversations with me, and I'm Dr. D. This is a safe place to have a conversation. So I want you to come in and sit down and have a seat next to me. You will leave each episode with regained self-confidence and motivation. We are no longer just existing, but we are going to live and thrive. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Red Couch Conversations. I'm inviting you to come on in and have a seat on the couch with me, Dr. D. Today, we're going to talk about anger. Yes, anger. Anger is a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. There are several types of anger that people can experience. The first type is passive aggressive anger, and this comes from trauma that's been bottled up. This is the type of anger that is more emotional than physical. And this, it could be expressed by the silent treatment. So I'm not going to say anything because you made me upset. I'm angry, so I'm going to be quiet. That's what a passive-aggressive anger is. Then you have volatile and sudden anger. This anger comes from out of nowhere. It's an impulsive reaction, and it's very unpredictable. Have you ever been around somebody? who there's a little small situation that happens and then all of a sudden they just blow up with anger. That's volatile or sudden anger. That's a scary type of anger because it's unpredictable. Then we have behavior anger. This anger will manifest itself in a straightforward way. A person will physically attack or they will start smashing or breaking stuff. And this person will act first and think later that's still not a good type of anger. That person is still too unpredictable because you're not sure what they're going to smash and you're not sure what they're going to break and it could cause harm to others as well as themselves. Then there's self-abusive anger. And this is driven by shame, guilt, and low self-esteem. So when you see self-abusive anger, this person is going to have negative talk about themselves. They sometimes struggle with substance abuse. They have physical self-harm, and most people that have a self-abusive anger oftentimes struggle with an eating disorder, and it manifests itself in a rage and an outburst towards others. Then there's chronic anger. It's a long-lasting emotional anger, and it manifests itself by constant frustration, constant resentment towards others. People that have chronic anger, they're normally bitter, they're normally mean, and very spiteful. And this will uh, affect a person mentally, emotionally, and as well as their physical health. So chronic anger is a bad anger to have too. Did you know, I did some research, and I found out that one in seven people have a problem with controlling their anger. I was really shocked about this number, one in seven people. That's a lot of people, folks. That's a lot of people. The Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter four and in verse 26, it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. So you can be angry, but it's as how you manage your anger that causes a problem. Also, some might be very familiar with the scripture scripture. Uh, of numbers 14 and 18, which says the Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. But we may not be familiar with scriptures such as Psalms seven and 11. It says, God is a righteous judge who displays his wrath every day. So we serve a God of love and we serve a God of anger. I never want to be on the side of uh, the anger and the wrath of God. I always want to be on the side of the love of God. But that's not what we're talking about today we're talking about the person that is carrying anger down on the inside of them just like any emotion anger is a feeling that could be used for good or evil. some people when they get angry that fuels them to do better to prove whatever made them upset make it wrong so for example i'm angry because someone said i would never finish college So what some people do is use that anger that they have and they'll work hard so they make sure they finish college so that what the person said about them now becomes a lie. It's all in a way an individual can uh, experience happiness or sadness and make a bad decision that can cause a a person to experience anger. The problem when anger comes when it's not dealt with in a healthy way and it results in sinful actions and behavior. Such as some of the types of angers that I talked about. Like the person that has a passive aggressive anger. That's not healthy ye- neither because it's bottled up. And after being bottled up for a long time, the person tends to explode. I'm a person that has the passive aggressive anger. I would hold stuff in. I would suppress it. I would bury it. I would bury it. I wouldn't handle it. I wouldn't deal with it. I just kept letting it bottle up and bottle up and bottle up. And then on occasion, I would have these frequent outbursts of all the anger that I was holding in because I couldn't hold it anymore. But that was unhealthy. So I had to get some help. If you guys never or whatever, uh, notice anything about me. I'm keen on a person going to get help. Yes, God is going to work us through it all, but go get some help so you can manage your emotions. And sometimes talking to a person can cause you to help you manage your emotions. And then the problem is, is getting to the root of the anger. What is causing yourself to be so angry? Most people, when I talk about anger, they will like to deflect and look at somebody else. But I want you to turn a searchlight on yourself. I want you to check your heart. What type of angry uh, anger do you hold? Do you have passive aggressive anger? Do you have volatile sudden anger? Do you have behavioral anger? Do you have self abusive anger? Or do you have chronic anger? We all get angry sometimes. So we all fall. In one of those different scopes the problem is is how we respond to it when angry when anger is frequent and prolonged it causes a problem I did some studies and I um to find out how did people handle their anger and a lot of people handle anger in a lot of different ways but I want to handle anger in the way that God is pleased with it so I found some tips from Dr. Kevin Bull on how to deal with anger, God's way. And the first thing that he states is to restrain it. Proverbs 29 and 11 tells us that fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. The scripture does not mean that the wise bury their anger and do not deal with it, but it means they control their anger and how they express it. When you restrain your anger, you keep it within limits. And you cannot do this in your own strength. You have to have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will check you. The Holy Ghost will stop you right before you're about to have a certain outburst. The thing is, you can't override the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort us. The Holy Spirit is there to keep us. We never said we couldn't get angry. But don't allow the anger to turn into sin. That after you restrain it. Then you got to re reevaluate it. James 19. Chap- James chapter one verses 19 through 20 says, my brothers and sisters take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. God's way of dealing with anger is to be slow to anger slow to anger. This takes practice. Okay. Nobody's going to get this overnight, especially if you've been dealing with anger issues for a long time. When you invite God into your life and you invite God into your heart, you're asking him to control everything about you, to heal everything about you. And when you begin to reevaluate it, you have to ask God, what is the root of my anger? Oftentimes the root of anger is unforgiveness. We've got to forgive, folks. If you're dealing with some unforgiveness, check out episode two on forgiveness. We've got to deal with it because if we don't forgive, it's, it becomes a seed for anger. It becomes a seed for bitterness. So you got to reevaluate it. There are some things that we need to let roll off our shoulders and don't internalize it and don't act on it. I oftentimes say we cannot control what people say, we cannot control what people think, and we cannot control what people do. And because you cannot control that, do not allow the actions of others to cause you to get out of character. I know, I know. Dr. D is easier said than done, but it's possible. You have to be slow to speak. Don't internalize on it. And before you speak, evaluate, the situation and sometimes when you take a minute to reevaluate the situation, you'll find a different way to handle the emotion that you're dealing with. I oftentimes say emotions come and go. This is why I want the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is a state of being. And because I'm in the joy of the Lord, I don't have to be angry. Will things get on your nerves? Absolutely. Will things make you get upset? absolutely but do not cause it to sin do not let it cause you to sin do not let it cause you to hurt other people do not allow your anger to hurt yourself i used to get so angry with my dad years ago about things that he would say and then i would go flying off at the mouth in the midst of my anger and at the end of it, I would end up crying because I will always have to be the one to apologize. And I was talking to my church mother one day and I said, I'm tired of apologizing because I have to defend myself. And she said, you don't have to defend yourself. Allow God to vindicate you. You keep your mouth shut and you won't have anything to apologize on. You won't have no reason to, to give your dad an apology. Keep your mouth shut. I said, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this one, Mom Hicks. But anyway, and the, the situation arose again where I had to be willing to keep my mouth shut. I kept my mouth shut. I didn't say anything. And guess what, y'all? I did not have to apologize. I kept my mouth shut. I had to cry. I had to vent my frustration. And the tears were my safety valve. In order to help me to keep my mouth shut. And what the tears helped me to do. Which is step number three. Was release it. Colossians chapter three. And verse eight says. But now you must also rid yourselves. Of all such things as these. Anger. Rage. Malice. Slander. And filthy language from your lips. When you deal with anger. God's way. You feel it. Vent it in a safe way without causing any harm to anyone and release it. You get, you get it rid of from your body. You got to get it out of your heart and you got to get out of your mind. Anger is not a healthy emotion because a bottled up anger turns into a volatile anger. Volatile anger turns into a behavioral anger. And after a behavioral anger, you're going to turn into chronic anger. It grows I want you to let it go. So number one, restrain it. Number two, reevaluate it. And number three, release it. You don't have to be angry. Put on the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Allow Holy Spirit to come in and take over that moment. would like to welcome coach Dean back to the red couch conversation how you doing coach
1: I'm doing pretty good how you doing
0: I can't complain listen we got another dear Dr. D letter and I want to read it and we're going to just discuss it it says dear Dr. D I just recently divorced my spouse after a bad break how do I move forward I feel lost at the moment so coach I know you've experienced divorce I've never experienced divorce I'm a product uh, or I'm going to say a bystander of divorce, my parents' divorce. So I want to talk about it from both aspects to help children of the divorce and then help divorcees on move, moving forward with their lives. So I'll, I'll let you go ahead and, and um, move moves forward. The unfortunate thing is I don't know whether it's a male or a female, so you're both going to have to cover both areas to help either person.
1: Okay, so let me first say, uh, when you're looking at divorce, uh, divorce is not just a normal breakup, first of all. Divorce is the ripping of two souls. Uh, As as a believer, uh, the Bible says that marriage is honorable in the sight of God. So that means you have two worlds colliding to become one. And so once those two worlds come together, you 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 merge and become one soul. So when divorce happened, it rips. And anything you know that rips is gonna cause pain. Pain is neither right or wrong, it's real. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's the first thing I would say about divorce So divorce is a very very painful Experience of course being a product Of it and experiencing divorce myself So that's the first thing I want To say about divorce the second thing I would Say there is no way you can make It through divorce without your heart Properly healing Once, once your heart is open To heal first of all from God You have to get in mediation and counseling Immediately
0: I agree I agree. So I, I just want to ask you, did um, you feel any resistance, resentment from the church, not necessarily your local congregation? I'm just going to say the church in general about going to counseling, because I have had conversations with people and they feel as though they will be ridiculed for getting counseling. And they're expected to still function in the church, even though they're not. healed mm. and Abs- I Absolutely. Through, and when I say that they're functioning in the church, they're not healed, but they're bleeding everywhere.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's first just be very, very honest. When we're looking at the church, especially the African-American church, uh, we are not encouraged, especially now, as of late, you know, coaching have came to the forefront or counseling, but we have not always did a good job in our community. Uh, first of all, with introducing uh, counseling or coaching you know, it was kind of somewhat of a stigma to get help in that area. So uh, I think uh, that's step number one. Step number two is you're going to have to make sure that you, again, get into some coaching because if not, you will find yourself, as you're saying, bleeding, still trying to lead, still trying to serve. And eventually you're going to probably run into a situation where you have a public breakdown.
0: Absolutely. And I, I would I would venture to say it's okay to say to your leader, I don't think I'm at my best capacity to serve right now until I be healed. And I think absolutely, as in the African American church, need to accept that culture where someone can say, "I'm not in the mental capacity to be all that I can be to help somebody else. I'm barely surviving myself." And absolutely. In, If you got a person that's dealing with divorce and then they also have children there with them, that's Mm -hmm. another aspect of things. Because now, not only do I have to move forward for myself, I have to make sure my children don't become stuck and they don't develop a trauma based off of a breakup between me and my spouse.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, see, divorce, it really it, it breeds a lot of different insecurities when you're thinking about divorce. It, it really can promote that. First of all, I'm not love. Second of all, I don't believe in the person that I'm divorcing or I don't believe in what they carry, whether they are in the church or out of the church. So uh, that's number one. When you're dealing with children uh, also, I think that the children have to really understand what's going on. Now, sometimes that's a challenge because the children are very small. I've experienced both sides where you tend to have kids. They will act out. You'll see them start to decline in school. You'll see them start to have um different type of problems when it comes to just normal relationships so again divorce it can have a lot of ramifications on not only the the parents that are getting divorced but also the children and the children also have will find themselves having to probably have some type of mediation or some type of coaching to find out how do we work through this uh individually and uh, and as a family
0: I absolutely, absolutely agree, especially if they're under the age of 18. Now, when oh, my yes. parents' divorce, I was grown, not even living at home. Yet I wow. still felt as though my father abandoned us.
1: Absolutely. I, I
0: felt that he just, you know, he walked away from us all. When in reality, um, he walked away from my mother. But because I was attached to both of them, I yes. Like he was ripped from me as well, and it took some healing, some years of healing, and I had resentment against him. I was angry, and mm. then that trickled down into my marriage. I said, "I can't be with someone that'll walk away from me," because in my mind, although my dad was there for me when I was younger, my dad provided for me when I was I was younger. He was an excellent mm. provider, but yes. I took him as leaving my mother, as walking away from me, even though I was grown. So I needed some help to help me to deal with that, that he did not walk away from me. That's just how I felt at that moment. So when I got Mm -hmm. married, I didn't want to deal with anybody that would walk away from me. If we have a disagreement, if you walk away from me, it brought up a childhood memory, not even a childhood, but early adulthood memory that you're willing to walk away and not stay and fight. So that developed an issue in me that I had to eventually go get help with to be healed.
1: Oh yes, you know, I wanna speak to something that you said. Um, Another part of divorce, what it breathes also is rejection and abandonment on the person that's going through divorce and the children. I too experience uh, my dad divorced my mom, which entail put him out of the house. And as an eight year old kid, I'm trying to find out why can't he stay at the house? Mm-hmm. You know, why can't he come back? Can he at least stay in my room? So I went through all these epic flows wow. of emotion. Right. Yeah. I went through a lot of epic flows of emotion. And what we don't talk about again is the ramifications that the children uh, it takes the children through and then there are some adults that never recover. They never recover from divorce. Here is another thing that we have to talk about about divorce. It's imperative that we get coaching because I now after I'm walked through that process, I now have to ask God to actually heal that void in my soul. Because if I'm not here from that place, I'll end up, as you said, taking it to the next relationship. And then I'll begin to promote those feelings from divorce into another relationship, which in turn sabotages all of my relationships after that divorce if I'm not properly walked through.
0: Now, you just said something there. It sabotages. And I believe a lot of people are not healed before they jump into another relationship. Absolutely. And it's unfair to move forward without, um, without being healed. And another uh, question that the person asked in the letter, how do you, how do I move forward? The first thing now I've never been divorced but mm-hmm. because I am who I am and God, and he's given me a little bit of insight in the moment. The first thing you have to do is learn to love yourself again. Because you're dependent on somebody else showing you an emotion. You have to find out who you are again. Fall in love with yourself again before you want somebody else to fall in love with you. You don't know you. Get to know you
1: before (laughs) you explain
0: who you are to somebody else.
1: Absolutely. You know, I want to go back to something about an earlier podcast that we talked about. I think it was last week we talked about uh, forgiveness. I think mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing that we have to look at, because you're going to have to not only forgive the other person, but then you're going to have to forgive yourself. Yes. Because oftentimes there is, again, self-guilt. There is self-blame. What did I do? I remember going through my divorce. One of the things I asked myself for almost three years What did I do to cause this? So I put myself in a place of depression unaware because I asked questions that I didn't have the answers to. And so, yeah, definitely.
0: Now, depression, that's a whole nother thing. Because absolutely. You, you're the wise. And why didn't this work? And what happened there? And if you don't handle it, it'll become a downward spiral. So I'm glad this person reached out and said they felt lost because what will yes. try to do and absolutely a vulnerability, he'll take it and magnify it to cause you to drown in it. So you might feel as though you cannot rebuild. You cannot Absolutely. move forward, but there is life after brokenness. There is life oh, after yes. divorce. You yes. will be healed. You will be whole. You know, you're Absolutely. not a person anymore. You're a whole person. Whether you're a man, God is going to heal you. If you're a woman, God
1: is going to heal you. Even Absolutely. If you a product of divorce as a child, God is going to heal you. We have yes, he that is. If we cannot
0: take anything that we feel, um, To another person We can always take How we feel to God
1: Absolutely And God will always Provide help Here's the thing I tell people this Pertaining to anything When you pray You do not inform God Of what's going on You simply invite him So if I am experiencing divorce, I'm inviting him to come and heal this broken heart. I'm inviting him to come and heal. Uh, I'm lost and I need direction. And probably the reason why this person is feeling lost is because their identity was wrapped inside of the marriage instead of being whole within themselves and whole in God. And so what happened is I put all of my energy, all of my feelings everything that I have, you ever heard the term people would say, this person is my world.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes. And
1: so what, yeah, what, so what happens is I put everything, watch this above God. I put, I put this person on the throne. And so when they leave or when there's a rip, when there is divorce, I have nothing to stand on because they in essence become my God. Wow. So my identity, my strength, My wisdom, everything is wrapped up into the marriage. And when the divorce happens, everything that I have is gone. And so it starts back with what you're saying. When you have experienced divorce, when you have experienced a place where you are lost, your first turn is to go to God. How do I navigate through this? How can I get here from this? How do I bounce back from this? And then you go to seek, whether you're seeking uh, your pastor, or whether you're seeking a professional coach, how do I get Walt out of this process? Because that's another thing that watch this. A lot of times, pastors cannot handle if they are not trained in coaching.
0: Now that's true. So true. Earlier in the um in the previous segment, we were talking about anger. How did you manage your anger during the midst of the breaking? Although it was mm. painful. Um, I know that some type of anger uh, came up in the previous segment. We were talking about passive-aggressive anger, and that mm. comes from trauma being bottled up. And this is this type of anger um, is more emotional than physical. Then there's that absolutely. volatile anger that comes out of nowhere, that impulsive. I'm mad. I'm gonna throw something. Then absolutely the that which causes you to start smashing stuff, and then the chronic anger. And I don't want this divorced person to slip into being angry because things didn't work out that way. How did you deal with, with your anger?
1: Well, originally I didn't deal with it. Gotcha. So what I did, I masked my anger. And so what I did by masking it, uh, I continued to do all uh, work. I continue to hide in ministry. Back then I did not know how to go and seek and get help. Okay, so what I would tell the person to deal with the anger, first of all, you have to acknowledge that I am angry. That's the number one step. Acknowledging I am angry. Once I know that I am angry, now I can find out how I get help. Who can I talk to? Seek out the help. Where can I go to get help with anger? Because in divorce, anger is going to come. That's going to happen because you're going to you're going to be angry at the situation. And especially whether there are children, whether there is loss of possessions, you know, no matter how bad the marriage was, there is still some anger in the midst of divorce. So I would say I didn't handle mine well in the beginning as time went (laughs) on. I had to submit it to God. I had to submit it to the right voices that I trusted. That was able to walk me through that.
0: Now you just said something here that I thought about too. Um, when you're going through this moment of rebuilding, it's important mm. not just to have a lot of voices in your ear. Because absolutely, every voice is not a good voice. Every voice will be like, ah, oh, you should do this, and ah, oh, you should do that, and absolutely you what to do based off of their previous uh, experiences. But you really got to do what God's told you to do. That's absolutely why it's so important that you talk to God and get help during this time because number one when you're really emotional you do not think clearly oh we, absolutely we do not. not think clearly we're a move on our emotions and then if you're listening to a friend they're tied into what your emotions too so that's yes why, like you saying, you got to have an outside source that can help you navigate the waters i totally agree Yes.
1: Yeah. And that's why I leave this type of work to professionals, because um, advice from my friend that has no experience. That's going to cause, again, a lot of emotion is going to cause probably some erratic behavior. So these are things that you have to go and deal with with a relationship coach or with someone who have this experience. I cannot take a stomach ache to my dentist.
0: You right about that.
1: They have no idea what's going on with my stomach and they specialize in the mouth.
0: That's so true.
1: So, So you have to find what works for the problem. Again, like I said, this type of pain is neither right or wrong, but it's very real. And if very you've true. never experienced this, you don't know what that type of rejection feel like. You don't know what that type of depression feel like. You don't know what that type of loneliness feel like. You know, you don't know what that type of insecurity feels like. So uh, I would I would definitely, definitely seek out somebody, a relationship coach, a person, person even I would say even a family counselor that deals with uh, marriage, that deals with divorce, that deals with, The family unit.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you. No doubt about it. uh, Thank you, Coach, for always stepping in and giving us um, some good advice. Um, Yes, ma'am. Forward to uh, future episodes where we can help our listeners out. Just remember you are not alone. You have somebody that's going to pray for you, and you have somebody there that's rooting for you, that you will make it, that you will not die, but you are going to thrive. And do what God has called you to do. Y'all have a great evening. See you, Coach. Talk with you later.
1: All right. Bye. Blessings over y'all. I love y'all. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for tuning into Red Couch Conversations with Dr. D. It is our sincere prayer that this episode pushed you to continue to thrive in this journey called life. Before we leave, let's have a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for this conversation that we were able to have before you on today. I'm asking that you would continue to keep us wrapped in your love and in your peace, that we might grow stronger in you and always in Jesus name. Amen. Bye bye for now.